Today's word comes from James chapter 5, no, James chapter 4, verses 13 to 17. Please read along with me on the screen. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. And it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Amen. Thank you, Sasha. Um, and now I'll invite Pastor Dave um, to preach um, from our scripture reading. Good morning, guys. It's a beautiful day today. Um, let me just pray for us again as we hear from God in His Word. Uh, Father, just ask for help. Um, help for all of us here today to not just hear your word, but to receive it. Uh, I pray that your word would be that implanted seed in our hearts. Uh, that seed that springs forth to fruit. That seed that will change us. Um, so speak to us today through your word. May we hear it and may we receive it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, uh, we're in a sermon series in the book of James, and the question that we're asking repeatedly through this letter is, um, what is faith, really? What's authentic faith? What does faith do? Uh, a few weeks ago, I was comparing calendars uh, on my phone with my wife, and my calendar is very basic. Um, I just write down appointments as they come and as they happen. So, coffee with Kevin, dinner with family, alone time, you know. It's very, very basic for me. It's just a list, list of dates and appointments that I can scroll through on my phone. I can see what I'm doing tomorrow. I can see what I'm doing, you know, within the next couple of days. And then my wife showed me her calendar. It's a fully zoomed out calendar for the month. It's color-coded. It's detailed. It's got the locations of every place that she's going to be going to and meeting people at. Um, and she kind of looked at my calendar and she was just like, you know, she gave me a bit of a look. Um, and then she tried to get me to change calendars to her style of calendar. And I said, no. <laughs> so I said, um, you know, maybe next time without really meaning that at all. <laughs> Uh, never planning to actually change calendars. And we're, we're, we're very different in that way. She's a massive planner. Uh, I, on the other hand, am not such a massive planner. She's always been the spreadsheet person for all major events and holidays, uh, whereas I like to just use the, the mini whiteboard on our fridge uh, with a little marker. I write myself notes on that thing just to plan ahead. 
uh, or just use a notes app in my phone and sometimes forget to look at it. Uh, and here's the thing, some of us plan in great detail, some of us are big planners and we're really intricate with our plans. Um, some of us plan with more of a big picture, a bit more basic in our plans, but the reality is we all plan because it's normal and natural to try and get some control over the circumstances in your life, right? By setting up some kind of schedule uh, on a basic level, even setting an alarm for tomorrow morning, the time that you're going to wake up. You know, on this day, I'm going to do this. Setting some kind of goal as you look ahead. And if you look at our passage today, that's what we see. James talks about a plan of sorts. He says, you know, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that town. That's a place. Uh, spend a year there. That's a time. Carry on business and make money. That's a goal. All of those things come together to form a plan. But then in the very next verse, in verse 14, James says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So, do we make plans or not? You know, we're talking about faith. And I wonder if, if you have ever pondered or wondered, you know, what does it mean to have faith and look ahead to the future? Does it mean you kind of just trust God and you shouldn't really make too many plans or any intricate plans? Or does it mean that you, you know, use some of that wisdom and uh, preparation that the Bible advocates for to be really prudent? But then what does that mean about our trust? What does that mean about our faith? What does it look like to have faith as we look ahead to tomorrow, to next week, next month, next year, uh, and all the years to come? James points to two ways this can play out for us. Uh, the first way is a bad way, and it's, I'm going I'm to call it the evil of arrogance. Now, when you first read verse 13... Um, this is what it says. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. You might think to yourself, you know, I don't really see a problem there because that literally sounds like every smart and successful person I know, right? It sounds like the kind of person who has their life together. But then you continue reading and what does it say in verse 16? James says that these people are boasting in their arrogance and all, and all such boasting is evil. So we're missing something here. Why is this so bad? Why does James call this evil? It sounds pretty responsible. It sounds pretty wise. And if you know your Bible, that can't be what James is really telling us because, you know, the Bible doesn't say, hey, don't be prudent, don't be wise, don't be responsible, don't look ahead and plan it all. You have to just go to the Proverbs and you'll see numerous times the Bible instructing us to plan ahead, to be prudent, to be wise. So that's not what James is saying. So what is he saying? Well, he's trying to show us the profile of a person who's fundamentally out of accord with God's will. And when it comes to this person, Here's a key question that you need to consider. 
Who determines what happens, when it happens, and how it happens? This person. Who determines what happens, when it happens, and how it happens? The answer is very, very clear. It's, it's themselves. It's more than just about being prudent and planning well. The person in verse 13 is the writer, the producer, the director, and the main actor in the story of their life. And James rebukes this person as arrogant, as evil even. And in part, um, it's because of who James is writing to at the time. James is writing to Jews. Many of the Jews have been experiencing a a season of uh, dispersion, but also commercial growth out of that. Right, they're going out to all the cities in the Mediterranean. There's a lot of business opportunities and ways to make money. It's, c- it's kind of like the uh, gold rush in Australia about 100 years ago, or maybe the tech boom of the late 90s, or maybe even today you know, with cryptocurrency and Bitcoin, stuff like that. It's an opportunity. Right, should I get in now or not? And I think that in Sydney today, uh, I think this is something that we can relate to, right? Because our city... I think is a city that people come to because good opportunities here, good career opportunities, uh, good quality of life, great weather. And so James is also writing to us today and he's warning us that when you have these prospects and your opportunities start to grow, there's a temptation that starts to come up where you begin to direct your life in a way that is completely determined by you because you can. You, you, you can visualize what kind of future you, you might be able to get. And James calls this kind of person arrogant. Not just arrogant, but remember in verse 16, evil. So it's just, it's a lot deeper than just uh, mere arrogance. And before you dismiss this as James talking to evil people, right? Like, the comic book villains out there, the people who are scamming others to get rich, taking advantage of them with you know Ponzi schemes and all kinds of scams. <laughs> he's, he's, he's not just talking about those kinds of people. He's talking to all of us. And he's saying that without even knowing it, you can be someone today, this morning, who is building your life. You can be someone who is functionally going through life, planning ahead, Assuming that God has nothing to do with your future, functionally. You can be living, you can be coming to church, you know, even reading your Bible and praying. But when you consider your future, you live really like His presence doesn't actually matter. He doesn't make any difference in your life or in your future and in your prospects. And to live life that way t- is to live with no reference at all to God. And before you know it, you're taking the, v- the very place of God in your life, the one who made you, the one who sustains the very breath in your lungs. And James says, this is not just arrogant, this is evil. But you know, the thing is, when I read this passage, what alarms me the most is how, how normal this sounds in our everyday lives. Like, this sounds like me on a Monday morning. This sounds like it could be some of us living our lives every day without reference to God in a, 
in a way that James calls evil. And so, I want you to consider just for a moment, just internally, when you look at your life, really, who's actually running it? How do you plan your day? How do you plan your year? How do you, pl- how do you think about the next 10 years? I'm not talking about having a 10-year plan. I'm just, when you consider <laughs> the next 10 years, where is God in all of that? Is he even there at all? If he's not, then James says that's arrogant evil. So that's the first way that we can think about our future. The arrogance of evil. The evil of arrogance, sorry. But the second is uh, what I would call the logic of humility. And James shows us the logic, the rationale of humility. How do we see this logic? Uh, It's right there in verse 14. So James starts off right by saying, Come now, you who say, Today or tomorrow we'll go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. And then in verse 14 he says, Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. What is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. And the logic is this. He says, okay, so you want to go and do this. You want to plan for this. You want to think ahead and direct your life in this way. And verse 14, he's basically saying, why? Why live arrogantly like that? You don't even know what will happen tomorrow. It's humbling. Because here's what he's doing. He's, sa- he's saying, okay, so you want to be like functionally your own God. You want to direct your life. Let's compare credentials for a second between you and God who is supposed to have that role in your life. Um, I want to share with you some theological uh terms when we think about what we call the attributes of God, the characteristics of God. So first of all, we know that God is omniscient. Uh, Omniscient, that means he's all-knowing. And he's omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful to bring about his will. These are attributes of God that we learn about in the Bible. But you and me, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. I mean, sure, if you were to open up your Google Calendar on your phone, yeah, I'm sure you could see that maybe you've got lunch plans for tomorrow, so you might know what you're going to eat, or you have a meeting at work, or that you'll pick up your kids at this time. So yes, you have a general idea, and you've got some suggestions about tomorrow, but James, his point is, you don't really know. Like, you have no idea what's going to happen the moment you step out of this building in 30 minutes' time, let alone what tomorrow is going to bring. You don't know what might be developing halfway across the world, you know, like three years ago, that might trigger a pandemic and alter the rest of your life forever. You just don't know. But God does. God has history in his hands. Nothing catches him by surprise. He's God, he's unshakable. But from our perspective, the, the littlest things that don't go according to plan, they can totally shake us. And big things too, don't get me wrong. 
But I am saying even little things can shake us. It can fundamentally alter our lives from the direction that we thought it was going. Um, There's a great movie that illustrates this. Uh, It's a 90s rom-com starring Gwyneth Paltrow called Sliding Doors. I'm not sure if you've seen it. The movie basically starts with her getting fired from a job and she has to leave in the middle of the day to go home, right, in London. And as she goes to the train station, um, there's a moment where this little girl kind of stops her for about five seconds. And the movie shows two different scenarios. One where she's held up by the girl and she misses a train. And another where she makes it past the girl and she just gets a hand in the door. She makes it on the train. She kind of shimmies her way in. And the rest of the movie plays out two different scenarios, two entirely different scenarios of her life just from those sliding doors, those five seconds. So when she catches a train and gets home early, what does she find? Well, her boyfriend is cheating on her. And she she subsequently breaks up with him. In the other scenario, she misses a train. And she has to take the bike home. It's a longer way home. Just enough time for her boyfriend to cover up his tracks. And she continues to live in a relationship with this guy. And I'll let you, uh, you know, watch the rest of the movie if you want to, to, to see what happens. And the trailer hook, if you watch the trailer, it's like, it, it's what would your life look like if you were 10 minutes late or 10 minutes early? And after you watch this movie, you start to question every little scenario in your day. Oh, what if I didn't miss that train? What if, what if I didn't kind of trip over a bit and, and injure my leg? You know, from our vantage point, that's always what it would be like. The, the simplest things can have the most dramatic impact on our lives. And James's point is simple, but it's strong. There's no way that you can direct your life when you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. And James continues. He adds to that. He says, what is your life? For you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. It's a very uh, provocative language, but it rings true the more you think about it. Because billions upon billions of people have come and gone throughout history. And so if you were to consider yourself, you are like a microscopic single droplet that makes up an entire mist. And you see it for a moment, and then it just disappears. We're much smaller than we think of ourselves. We're utterly dependent. And we're even fragile. You know, even just <laughs> reminiscing about you know, COVID in 2020, and, and I don't do that like every day. I was just thinking about COVID as, as reflecting on this passage. You know, it w- wasn't that for us a real dose that we don't know what tomorrow will bring? W- wasn't that a dose of humble pie that we can bring with us as we look ahead? That we're not in control of the circumstances that we think we have control over. So what now? Right? If that's the logic of humility, it kind of feels like we only have two options. Either you can be arrogant or evil, which I don't think any of us really wants to do. Or you can just dread the future and fear any and every little thing that could happen to you. Those two options only result in fear and worry. 
and anxiety. And some of you uh, this morning, I'm sure uh, some of you are eaten up with worry today. Because, to be honest, uh, you're arrogant. And you think you know what tomorrow will bring. You want to be the director of your own life. I know what's right. I know what has to happen. I know what has to happen in my life. I know what has to happen in their lives. And so you've planned it all out. But it all succeeds and falls with you. And that is such a hard way to live. Some some of you are eating up with worry today because you fear absolutely uh, any and every little thing that could happen to you. So maybe you don't really like to plan too much because you fear that it won't work out. It'll fail. James points us to a third option in verse 15. He says this, Instead you ought to say, if the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. What does that mean? Functionally, it's not just you saying the words, if the Lord wills, after every decision that you autonomously make. That's not what James is saying. You make plans. You're prudent. You use the wisdom that God's given to you to plan ahead. And at the same time, you live with open hands so God can shape and mold those plans. You trust that he's the one who writes your story. And I say open hands because that's the posture that comes into my mind when I think about what this means. You know, usually the things that are the most important to you, and you see this in kids a lot, you want to hold close, hold tight. You don't want to let go of it. You don't want to lose it. What does it mean to live with open hands? It means to surrender that thing which is most important to you, to God. It means when you pray and you're thinking about your future, whether it's tomorrow, whether it's next week, whether it's next year, whether it's you trying to, you know, think about how you're going to get through your day at work tomorrow or resolve a conflict with a spouse or a friend, or you're worried about what it's going to be like to be parents. How to parent your kids well as they continue to grow. You pray, whether right now, or tonight, or tomorrow morning, you pray by yourself. You pray with your spouse. You pray with your kids with open hands. And you pray if the Lord wills. And you know what? When you pray that honestly for the first time, you will be afraid. You'll start to feel fear. Because even though James has proven to us that we're not qualified to direct our own lives, we fear trusting God and His will over our lives. The question that your heart is going to ask in that moment when you pray this prayer genuinely is, if the Lord wills, but what if He wills the wrong thing? What if He wills something that's not good for me? What if He doesn't will the thing that I want? The job that I want? The kind of life that I want, the way that I want my kids to grow. And the only way to get over that barrier is actually to stop asking the question, what if, 
and instead ask an entirely different question altogether. Instead of asking, what if he wills this, or what if he doesn't will this, we have to ask, what has he willed? I want to take you back to the Gospels. Uh, on the night before Jesus was about to endure the worst, the worst thing that ever happened to him or anyone, he was in the Garden of Gethsemane. He was praying alone. And I'm not talking about losing a job or thinking about where you have to live or what's going to happen to your kids or even losing a loved one as, you know, as tough as those things are. I'm talking about much worse. Uh, the only innocent person to have ever walked the earth about to head into a an execution. And not just on behalf of one person, but on behalf of all people. And Jesus prays, Father, if, if you're willing, um, please take this cup away from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. I'm taking you back to this moment because I want you to see what God willed in this moment. What God willed in this moment was not what Jesus asked for. What God willed in this moment was for Jesus to actually drink that cup of wrath that we deserved as a substitute. God willed that Jesus would die so that we might live. God willed that in the cross, sinful people who were slaves to sin might be free, might be set free. And so when you look at the cross, what you see is that God really loves you. When you, when you look at the cross, what you see is that God is really qualified when you look at the cross, what you see once and for all is that God's will for you is good. No matter what your present circumstances show. He crushed his son so that you might be raised to life. He bound his son to a cross so that you might be set free from being a slave to sin. And you might even be free from death itself. To have faith means to pray, I have no idea what tomorrow will bring. I have my plans and my desires. But here are my hands. Your will be done, God. Every day. And that's the way to freedom. That's the way to life. That's what it means to have faith as we look ahead to the future. Let's pray. Father, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Um, and in a sense, that can be scary. Some of us will consider that and we'll, we'll, plan. we'll plan like maniacs. Some of us will consider that and we'll just feel frozen. For all of us today, direct our gaze, our hearts and our minds to the cross. Lord, let us experience and see 
and know with conviction what your will for us is. On that cross, you showed us very clearly that your will for us is to be free, is to have life, eternal life. And so, Lord, I pray that we would be able to pray like this. Uh, you know, tomorrow, I don't know what's, what it's going to bring. I've got my plans, but your will be done um, every day. And as we do that, Lord, I pray that we will experience the freedom and the life that you've promised for us in the cross. In Jesus' name we pray.